Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is Joanne Williams, and I think you're gonna love the conversation that we're about to have because if 2020 didn't bring anything, it was certainly anxiety. Joanne, thank you so much for being on the show today. I can't wait to dive into your journey and your topics and all of the amazing, uh, I, I think one item I read was emotional tax you pay. Uh, so to dig into all of those items and break them down just a, a little bit. But as the listeners know, before we dig into that, I know you're not a, wine, a big wine drinker, but I'd love to know what your favorite beverage is. Uh, thanks to Amy for having me. And, you know, my favorite beverage is coffee. I just find there's so many deep flavors and, and I even like the fruity cinnamony or any kind of flavored coffee. And I think that to me is kind of like, like you're saying about like you enjoy wine. I feel like it is, it takes you someplace. You get to have an emotional connection to it. And I feel like I have that with coffee. Coffee would be my next favorite. So I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, digging into some Grenaches right now. That's the the Uh flavor of the month, I guess you want to say. And for those that have been listening over the last year, we haven't been able to travel at all. So I've sort of been, you know, like picking different regions of the world and exploring the wines from there. And, And right now I'm very specifically focused on trying to find those hearty Grenaches that are out there. And of course, at a bargain price, you know, so big bang for little buck, basically. But well, in all seriousness, I'd love to dig into uh, learning a bit more about your journey and um, I guess your gift to the world, as I like to call it, and how your vineyard was formed. So why don't we start at the very beginning? Tell us a little bit about your background, your business, uh, how you became, be, be, I guess, f- formed the Anxiety Simplified, the, the step-by-step solution that you have designed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, I think all of us, you know, f- are formed by our initial family or our caregivers. And anxiety is no different. You know, if we have secure attachments, we're much more secure. And I've got to say, I was a child of the 50s with the father who came home after having the two martini lunches and the cigars and comes home, puts his feet up and the mom or the woman is expected to take care of the rest and the children. And I I felt like that's kind of my world that I lived in. So there was a bit of alcoholism. There was a bit of, you know, kids were to be seen, never to be seen if possible and never heard. So I don't feel like there was a lot of um, security created in my life. And I think that is probably why I became a mental health professional for 30 years to figure it out myself. And I think that was the part. I feel like I was left my own devices, you know, figure this out yourself, not a lot of guidance. Um, So that's been my journey really for 30 years and enjoyed it 
tremendously after I had several other careers, but this has been a really, really good one for me. And I, and I, and one of the reasons why I like to do podcasts now on my own is to share this information, you know, for anybody out there that does have a passion and you want to be able to share it. Podcasting is a really good way to do it. And I feel like we all need to do a little bit more of that to share ourselves. Yeah. So speaking of podcasting, so you are the host of Anxiety Simplified. Um, This is a podcast that you offer to Mm -hmm. help people with everyday strategies, basically a way for them to tune in and and listen and get ideas and maybe challenge their way of thinking just a little bit. Or, you know, I think in in today's world, we're even if we work as part of a team, we're often alone. And boy, left to my own devices, I can create a lot of things. (laughs) My mind can go in a lot of things. Overthinking. (laughs) Yeah, overthinking is one of them. A lot of times overanalyzing. And a lot of times all you're doing is just creating more stress and anxiety for yourself because you're imagining all these things that are not even there. So it's not always a very good thing if you're not controlling it. Well, you know, from part of our job is to be looking at what can go wrong, right? So it's it, people pay me to actually see how what the holes are in their plans. So try to tune that off in your own life when you're trying to do that for everybody else is a bit challenging sometimes. Um, so, so when when exactly did you start the podcast? What was what was the initiative behind that? What was the driving factor? Mm. You know, this was part of COVID. Um, Last year, I just felt that urge that I could see in my own clients this increase in anxiety Mm. and depression. And I could see that this was not going to be a pretty 2021 if people didn't take more control, didn't learn more skills. And so I thought, what a better way is to share my skills that I've honed now for 30 years. And I really have feel like I try to make things as simple as possible. And so that's really what I do in the podcast. And I just felt like, you know what, I want, I was on a mission, you know, to share what I've learned in, in a free way. So you started the podcast last year, but you've run a practice yeah. for a long time. Sorry. 30 years. I know. So the other day somebody introduced me and they said with almost three decades of experience, and I went, oh, <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> I, my, but it's oh. true. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't be, she must be introducing somebody else. So I'm like, now I'm super conscientious of when I say that to people, but you have worked, um, you're, you're, I guess since, 95 specifically you were also working with mm-hmm. animals as well right so bringing that into the mix of things you, you mentioned that it was yeah. sort of your journey to figure it out like uh, you know you you explored mm-hmm. this as a way to try to figure it out a little bit what made you decide to do mm-hmm. it as an entrepreneur mm. after i got counseling myself when I finally figured out, uh oh, <laughs> I am not being able to figure this out myself. And, you know, in an alcoholic marriage um, that was not supporting me and my wishes, my true self, and two children. 
And I said, no, this is not okay. And I'm going to figure this out with some professional help. And I did. And I'll tell you, it was one of the very best things I could have ever done. And from that, from maybe two years after that, I did start my own private practice, went back and I got my master's degree. Um, and like I said, I have done counseling now for 30 years and it has been really a blessing. I feel like, and, and, and I'm so grateful because I learn every day too, you know, from my clients, from my experience, from their experiences of working together. Like when two people come together, there really is something bigger than both of us. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoy the work. And about seven years ago, I was on a plane with my little dog stuffed in a bag under the seat. He was having terrible anxiety that was causing me terrible anxiety. And this kind flight attendant told me about the Emotional Support Animal Program, that if you got a letter from a mental health professional, you could have your dog on your lap. So I looked into it. There's actually two laws for housing and then for flying at that time. It has changed just January. But so ever since then, I'm like, I, I, here I am, a licensed clinical social worker. I can do these. Le- I can certify people. So I've been doing that for seven years. And I must say, I have found it pretty incredible that it's like an introduction to therapy, I find, for people who have never considered it, never thought it would be a benefit to them. How an animal can calm them, how an animal, like especially even for children, the responsibility, it gives meaning and purpose to their life. Loneliness helps with depression. I just have been really shocked at how helpful that has been for clients And so I've continued to this day to have that as my specialty as part of my practice. And then in January, the law changed for flying. And I kind of could see this coming. And last year, and so in 2020, and um, they were shifting over for flying, it would have to be a service dog. And now they made a category of psychiatric service dog. And it has tougher requirements. It is more strict. Um, but that is what I'm also currently doing. So now emotional support animals are only for housing. <laughs> and a psychiatric service dog can go anywhere with anybody. It doesn't matter if it's stores, restaurants, or whatever, and flying. Okay. Um, so that, that is so interesting. And I would, I mean, I've had animals. I don't currently have one just because of being in multiple locations and it's challenging when you're doing that. But I know that, you know, my attachment to them is quite tight when I have them (laughs) and when I lose them or have lost them, the emotional toll it takes on me is quite severe. So thinking about 2020, Um, and if let's say somebody loses a loved one, which could include their animal, that was a, I'm sure a very challenging year for people in your position too, because that in, I mean, the anxiety in 2020 was high. I don't care who you were. It was high. So adding any kind of emotional items to it would even add more mental health related issue. I don't want, I like to word the issues as a bothers me that word. Cause it's, 
it's just like a, it does, right? No, but it sounds like it's degrading to me because you know oh, I've got an issue. It does, know, but but when I I think about like I have an earache, nobody says you got an ear issue. <laughs> you know, they say you've got a pain, ear issue, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. thinking yeah. about twenty as opposed to a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's not that it's not always that we we one of the things that you made a comment about or I, I read about you was that um, emotional tax you pay without the proper support comes from anxiety, depression. So when you think about 2020 or even 2021, I'm really concerned about PSTD with this whole COVID thing, and I'm sure you probably are, too. Talk a little bit about what do you mean that by emotional tax? Mm-hmm. I think with almost all emotional issues, there's issue. Um, they we don't recognize them. They have become part of us, and we and it's just like we're like a hamster, you know, on the wheel of it, and we don't see it, we don't hear it anymore, and sometimes don't realize that stepping off that hamster wheel and giving ourselves a chance to look at really the effects that anxiety or depression or has on ourself, on a relationship, on our work life can be really rewarding. And if we don't, we will continue to pay a tax or a cost. And there literally are actual costs I was just reading one story that you can even lose as much as $105,000 per year because of anxiety, maybe not standing up for yourself when you're buying a car, asking a good question, maybe for your wage, for a raise is huge. And think about it too, for the cost in a relationship. You know, it may not be a, a, a financial one, but it could be. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you can't communicate because you're afraid to or it just you're shut down or you're not used to standing up for yourself, these can be huge costs of self-esteem, self-worth, pain that will continue until and maybe it is as simple as finding a counselor. It doesn't have to be something that has to continue. To me, it's about building skills. So talk a little bit about that. When you say skills, um, define what a skill is in your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't even think about it anymore. (laughs) I just feel like I teach them. But basically it is, and I I do have um, a, a method that I call the Thrive Blueprint that is steps that to start this process. And it really always starts with your awareness, starting to look at, I mean, I think it's probably the same for you. If somebody doesn't look at their finances, they're never going to see anything. And emotions are really no different. Step out a little bit, look at, become aware of where the pain is, where it is that you maybe you want to do more growth. And I see them all as developing new habits might be a better way to talk about skills, but maybe it's just a little change every day of looking at something. Maybe it's sitting quietly and doing some mindful 
exercises so that you just find a little bit more peace. But there's a lot of ways to develop some new ways of looking at a situation. And that's what I would call a skill is just look at it maybe in a different way, a different perspective and develop some new habits (laughs) around that. I was chuckling as you were talking because um, one of the things that I've discovered recently about myself, last year was on the go all the time, 24-7. Just Uh even when I was sleeping, my mind, according to my husband, I was still working. (laughs) He he would have... unique listening opportunities when I was supposedly sleeping. (laughs) Um, But this year has been a little better, right? Like it's been more, well, it's historically been a bit more normal. But when I find myself in those quiet moments, no TV, no music, now it feels strange. Now it doesn't Mm. feel... you know, normal because I've been, and I think a lot of people are like this that I've talked to, they've been on the go or in some sort of mental, uh, what do you call that? That a hamster runs on like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like hamster a wheel. hamster wheel, yeah. trance, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> mentally or physically or whatever it might be. Right. So now things are, are sort of reverting back to a bit more of a slower quote unquote normal mm-hmm. pace. But because we've been on that wheel for a year, it now feels abnormal to have that quietness Mm -hmm. or that space. And I find that when it's quiet, I almost can't concentrate now. Like I have to have a little music in the background or I have to be listening to a podcast or um, something, some sort of white noise in order to actually be able to focus. And, and that's why I chuckled when you said, you know, quiet, because I realized recently I was working on something and I could not focus. I felt like a squirrel, like it was over here and over here and over here and over here. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) And I realized it was too quiet. And the moment I turned on some music, Boom. Whatever part of my mind wanted to divert, heard the music and focused and let me focus in other areas. That was my take on it from my own personal experience um, Mm -hmm. recently. So that's why I kind of laughed. It wasn't that I was thinking that it was funny. It was just a realization. Yeah. And some of my girlfriends and I have done some um, like virtual happy hours with each other. And they've said some similar things. Uh Like they don't know. I don't know what to do. And I've never idled well. So for me, that's not, you know, I have to like read or I have to do something or else I'm like, okay, what's next? You know? So, so it's just been a unique experience Mm -hmm. for me. Are you seeing that with other people that you're, that you're talking to? Yes. Um, You know, there, there is such a thing (laughs) as, as secondary trauma, Uh, stress from having overwhelmed coping mechanisms and from repeated stressful events that don't end, whether it's financial or the health or your family or the loss. And I think it is stretching our coping mechanisms so that there can be some detachment or there can be numbness. There can be a hypervigilance. There can be second guessing. There's just a list of things that really can start to happen when that coping starts to just get a little too much. 
And that's where I see that depression can set in because it's an overwhelm of your coping skills, overwhelm of your situate life situations. And if we don't, if we haven't developed good, healthy habits, daily habits that we can depend on, Mm -hmm. that's where we can fall to stress or physical things even, or that overwhelm. And I'm not getting out of bed. Um, Yeah. So I'm seeing much more of it. So take it to the extreme that you just said. I'm at the point where I'm paralyzed, right? What are some of the things that can help transform. And I think about this, not just with let's, let's use the phrase getting out of bed in a different way. It could be literally getting out of bed, or it could be, I'm sticking my head in the sand and I'm not even going to look at my finances. I'm in so much debt. I'm never going to get out. So I'm not even going to deal with it. Right. So I'm going to stick my head in the sand. What are some of the things that somebody can do to help because that's a fear, right? That's a fear-driven, am I correct mm-hmm. in that? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so what are some of the things yes. that they can do to sort of get out of that? And a lot of times we need help <laughs> because if you can't get off that, that wheel, that hamster wheel, mm-hmm. you will continue to do the same things. And I think it does go back to that awareness that, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. And that maybe I can try some things like reading a book, listening to a podcast and seeing if they help. And if they don't, to reach out and find some help. But I find that one of the things that anyone can do is check in with yourself and see what you are focused on. Because our focus always will increase whatever's going on. And if you looked at what you just talked about or the symptoms I just talked about, that's what people have a tendency to focus on and overthink about. Mm-hmm. I can't sleep. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't sleep. I'm never going to sleep. Instead of I will find a way mm-hmm. to find a peaceful way to get to sleep. I will find a new practice that will help me sleep mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. I will find some ways, new ways. I don't know how, but I know for sure I will. So I think it just focus is something that if you, if people would look at that, because what I see with most clients, they're focused on what they do not want, what they do not like the symptoms that they do not want instead of turn and whatever that is, do the opposite, Mm -hmm. go for, I do choose to be happy. Even when some days I don't feel like smiling, I am going to smile anyways. And smiling literally has a physical reaction. It literally will change your mood and, and it will make you feel differently. And then if you can continue that focus and that's what's hard for people, but if you can continue that focus, you will get out of it. Making it a new habit, basically. Mm -hmm. So I know one of the, the specialty areas that you often talk about is 10 principles you wish somebody had told your younger self. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear those. (laughs) You know, that was after, I don't know, one of those days, you know, and I, I felt like, boy, wouldn't that be nice if I could share this with people so they don't have to go through some of the things that I do. And, um, I'm really happy to share those, uh, with anyone at any time. Um, 
But you know, the, the number one, and I, you know, and I think about these often because I'm thinking, would I really want this to be number one on my list here? But you know, the more I look at, I even hear this on TV. I even hear people saying the same thing. Find a cheerleader in your life. Someone who adores you, who has your back no matter what. And if you don't have somebody, find somebody that just will be there for you. And I think this year with isolation, I think that's why I ended up putting that top of my list because isolate, we're social creatures. It is not good for us in <laughs> any way, shape or form. How can you be connected in some way with somebody who really appreciates you? And if you don't, find a person, get a dog <laughs> yeah. or an, some animal of some sort, no, some animal, yeah. any animal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's a, that's a good point that I think is important to discuss because, um, you know, in, in the financial world, what we saw this year was that, um, at first many of our clients had more money because all of a sudden they weren't traveling, they weren't eating out, they weren't, you know, they weren't engaging in those social actions that they normally take. Um, and they were shocked at how much money they were actually spending on those categories, <laughs> you know, sort of their hand, their head was pulled out of the sand because they couldn't, it had to be, you know, from that perspective. Um, but the, the number one thing, so we always ask our clients, you know, if, if money wasn't a barrier, what would you change in your life? And towards the end of last year, people are like, Oh, Oh, I'm traveling. I'm, I'm going to go see family. I'm going to go see friends. I'm going to, we're going to have barbecues this summer because that's probably safe. You know, we're going to go out and, and my, one of my big concerns is like now, you know, we've gone so far from one side because we were forced into this isolation that we're going to see this huge swing, which is great for an industry that has been so impacted by this. But I think, you know, like it's go completely the opposite way as more and more people become vaccinated or comfortable being out in public for their own safety and the safety of their family. Right. Uh, so we all have like our radar up for you know, the, the spending that kind of comes along with that social, but even for what I call a yeah. self, a self-reformed introvert. And the, the, the reason I say self-reformed is because I am, I'm easily a wallflower and I can easily stay at home. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the friends that I have, I'm close with, and you know, the, there's a small group, but even I got to the point where I'm like, can we just do something outside? Like, what can we do? Like, I cannot, I love my husband, but I've never spent this much time with him. <laughs> it sort of put me, I remember yeah. one night sitting around saying to him, so uh, this is what it's like when my clients retire and they're married. Like all of a sudden they go from, yeah. you know, these lives where they're sort of, you know, they're traveling together, but they have their space. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, pushed into the same exact space at all times. And yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but the cheerleader content. And without a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Without a plan. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I was just to say, you, you know, retirement, 
I don't recommend it, you know, unless somebody has a plan, they've thought this through, what is your next life desire? (laughs) You know, not retire. I don't like that word. That's when I would take away. Maybe it's finding a different desire and joy in life. (laughs) We always ask people when they're getting close to, you know, the end of their first or second or sometimes third sort of career, um, what does retirement look like for you? Because um, I'm I'm always particularly concerned about it um, and the identity that goes along with it sometimes. So trying to figure out um, if this identity goes away, what's the new identity? You know, what, what, what are those connections? Who are your friends outside of the office? Who are your friends outside of work? And what are your hobbies? And for people that have been, you know, heads down career and the, everything around them is their career, I will ask them what their like travel plans are or their next career is going to be because I've seen it so many times where they retire and they're like, I don't know what this sucks. Like, I don't, there's nothing to do, you know? <laughs> so... I agree. They need a plan, but I, and that's when I see, I was going to say, that's when I see depression because they've lost their meaning and purpose and thought this was going to be great to get away from all, you know, the grind and having to get up. And they had had no idea that routine was so important in their life and the people too, they're leaving. Right. The identity that goes along with it, especially when they're in leadership positions a lot of times. Yeah. But I I want to go back to that cheerleader concept that you were talking about, because I do think that 2021 and 2022, as we start to go back into our, I think a lot of companies are going to allow people to work from home more, but there's still going to be some in-person, you know, time and meetings and stuff like that. I I think it's going to be, again, a shock to the system and we're going to need those cheerleaders to help us through, don't you? Absolutely. I I think we're going to see social anxiety go through the roof um, because we have not been together in a meeting in so long. And I hear a lot of my clients have social anxiety anyways, or agoraphobia that they really hate crowds and don't even like to leave their home. They're pretty pleased (laughs) actually that they can stay home. But if they're forced to go back into those situations, I think we're going to have a bit of a hangover in the sense of really not knowing how to relate. And I feel like that in the children or the older children as well that haven't been in school and they are so ch- more social social creatures even than adults. That's their social identity they're developing. And I think we may actually see uh, a generation or certainly some of these children that are going to have bigger problems than others with mm-hmm. socializing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, being in high school is very challenging, I think, oh. in, in and of itself, right? And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when some of these students go off to jobs or college or, you know, it's hard enough sometimes to get them away from texting. And now they've been given a full year where that's a social norm. (laughs) Well, and it's not pretty from the statistics I'm seeing right now. There was just a recent study about teenagers and it was 1.5 million teenagers. They did this survey online. 37% of them were having thoughts of harming themselves. So we really now have a new epidemic 
of depression in children, and they're not an 11 to 17 year old, but I think part of it is the, the social um, texting and comparing and not living up to expectations and then not having a real reality check in a sense of going places and doing things with people in person. And I think I really want to stress to parents right now, if you are seeing any big changes and the sense of, you know, their children are not finding purpose and or pleasure in things that they were doing or really shutting themselves off or noticing even the physical changes, you know, them not wanting to go out and be with friends they were or seeing those shoulders slumped or their head down slumping around they really need some help and they may not even realize it mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well i this is wonderful information to share i have a couple of uh final questions that i always like to ask my guests one is what is your definition of success you know and i've lived this i i feel like that you have to follow your passion. I don't care where it leads you. If you, whatever you want to do, wherever it is, to me, that's my idea of success. When you can feel joy every day, going to do whatever work you do and whatever realm it is, that it satisfies your soul. That's what I think really success is. It's, it's something that helps you just to find something deep within yourself that's satisfying. Do what you love and love what you do, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and then our final section, which we like to call nourish your vine section of the podcast, we take just a few mo moments and we ask, you know, the, the dime side, I guess you want to say of wine and dime. If you could say that there's one financial lesson in your life that you've learned that you'd love for people to know, what would that lesson be? You know, I think there's a couple. My grandfather always said, pay yourself first. And saving that least 10%, it's probably should be more than that now, but his was always pay yourself first and save it and have it you know, so that you know where it is. The other one I feel like is invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. Invest, it, whether it's counseling or college or other ways that will better yourself so that you can feel happier. I think that is really important. And I think it's sometimes overlooked as an investment, mm -hmm. but I really think investing even in family members too, of their betterment, but you know, however that is, I think that's important. Yeah. And the other thing is, I think you should have a financial planner. <laughs> that was something, I, not just because you are, but I'm telling you, I think that's something I had a, I had a trust issue about. And I probably have lost a fortune because I didn't trust. So I think, see how you can find somebody and ask good questions to them so that you can trust and follow their advice because we're just novice. We don't know anything about that field. Just like emotional issues, you should find a professional to help you through it if you can't. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I think there's, at least in my experience, there's an embarrassment that people feel that they don't know more about finance. Mm -hmm. And what I've always said is that, you know, you weren't born to know finance. It's not like you came out of the womb and you just had all the knowledge that you needed to have about finance. It's not like breathing. It's not innate in us. 
And so um, there's no there's no need to feel embarrassed that you don't know at all. I I don't know everything there is to know about dentistry or law or um, to be a physician or an engineer or you know any or you know a counselor. I have no clue about any of those things. Well, maybe a little, but not you know not enough to say that I'm an expert in any way, shape, or form. And that's really what we're for. now. I will say that our profession has not always been the most forthcoming. <laughs> Sometimes there's certainly been some reason why there's been trust issues. Um, you know, from a global perspective, especially if you watch any kind of like CNBC show or anything like that, when they you learn about like Bernie Madoff, and you know those are legitimate, very publicized cases that do put, you know, us in a pretty negative limelight. But uh, if you're uncomfortable having somebody manage your assets, then just hire somebody that provides you the the advice and not the investment management side of it. And that's, um, you know, that's a thankfully, finally, after all these years, that's a growing portion of, of the financial planning business. So, um, some of those trust issues can be a little less anxious or cause a little less anxiety now uh, with yeah. the models that are out there. So yeah, not that I am trying to plug our profession, but I, I do know that when people <laughs> but you should in, well, but when people walk into our office, the anxiety level is at the ceiling. I mean, I've had people sit in front of me and start to cry and then be so embarrassed by the oh. fact that, you know, that they're crying because they're like, I didn't expect to react like this. And the first time that ever happened to me, I was like, oh my God, somebody's crying in my office. Why is somebody crying in my office? (laughs) I didn't say anything. I swear I didn't say anything. It just was, I didn't do it. (laughs) No, I just, I, you know, I guess I've learned, um, just let it, it's okay. Like, you know, I don't say that I never, because I never want people to feel like I'm giving them permission, but it is anxious. It does cause anxiety. It is anxious to be able to put everything out there. And I usually do try to say to people, it's like me coming into your bedroom, isn't it? And starting to dig through your drawers and looking at the different size clothes that we used to be able to get into as women, right? It's really the same thing. Because that's a very emotional thing. Money is very emotional. And when you're about to share a lot of things that you yourself haven't wanted to face, you betcha it creates some anxiety. Yeah. So I've learned a little bit about mm-hmm. the reasons behind it, that but that's exciting. also why. Yeah, that's that's when I'm like, all right, where's the line? <laughs> you know, not licensed to give any kind of counseling here. So is this just a release? Or are there issues here that, you know, need to further exploring? It's a, uh, um, an area that, you know, we've talked about often as a team to try to watch for and, and use gentle cues if we think that some professional guidance is needed. But Joanne, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today and for exploring everything that, you know, from um, talking about therapy dogs to... <laughs> getting a cheerleader to anxiety that monies can bring. Um, You've been a wonderful guest and I want people to know how they can reach out to you. So we will post all your social media links in the show notes. If people are interested, do you do um, 
virtual therapy? Mm-hmm. Okay. We do. We do it like this now since COVID. Absolutely. So they could reach out to you via your website or your email address. We'll have that in the show now. It looks like it's Joanne Williams, mm-hmm. LCSW at gmail.com. And we'll make sure we throw that in the, in the show notes as well. Any parting thoughts or anything that you'd like to share that we haven't talked about today? I would just want to encourage everybody to really be kind to yourself. I think we're very harsh sometimes and judgmental. And if there was one thing you did every day, it was just find one thing to be grateful for. That in itself has proven to lower anxiety and lower depression rates. So just being grateful can be a wonderful tool and skill to use. Great advice. I'm going to have to write that, I think, on my computer screen. So every day I remember (laughs) one thing, thing. be grateful for one thing. Again, Joanne, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time, energy and expertise. Thank you. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.